Roxy, I recently checked off a fall bucket list item. Oh, yeah? Did you go apple picking? I did. I know. I saw the photos. <laughs> and I really <laughs> liked your outfit. It was very autumnal. Ooh. No, I took care of something that I know has really bothered you, which is that I finally watched You've Got Mail. Ah, yes! Finally. You're, you're a true New Yorker now. It was as charming as you made it out to be. Don't you love New York in the fall? It does make me want to buy school supplies. I'm sending you a bouquet of newly sharpened pencils as we speak. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women enjoying peeping leaves. It's okay. You can say peeping. (laughs) Peeping (laughs) leaves. (laughs) (laughs) All right. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women peeping leaves and picking apples in the great state of New York. I'm Roxy Stone. And I'm Caitlin Beatty. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. This week on The State of Belief, best-selling author, national speaker, and public historian, Jamar Tisby. They've answered every question definitively such that there's no more room for mystery, for questioning, for curiosity. That rigidity is really what I think hampers the witness of evangelicals today. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. So did you really watch it or are you just telling me that? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I really watched feel it. Better. Uh, <laughs> no. What is Tom Hanks' character's name? Joe Fox. Mm, what's the name of the cafe they meet at on the Upper West Side? Yeah, I can picture it. Um, Cafe Lalo on the Upper West Side. It's real. It doesn't have good reviews. <laughs> Sadly. And what is Meg Ryan's character's favorite flower? Daisies. Yeah. I thought that was sweet. They're the happiest flower. So I know I've seen this movie maybe 20 years ago, and at the time I thought it was boring, but I was actually really touched by it this time. Oh, you had um, seen it before. Yeah, I just couldn't remember. Like, oh, okay. I, I must have been okay, like a teen, okay. like when it first came yeah, out, yeah, but yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. And it was very sweet. And I felt yeah. like they don't make movies like this anymore. They don't. They don't. Like it, it had a very like classic romantic movie feel. Almost as good as another New York in the fall movie, When Harry Met Sally. <gasps> oh, the chunky ribbed sweaters. So many good fall autumnal outfits in that movie. When they're walking outside, mm-hmm. I'm sure she's wearing like Mary Janes and tights. It was a good, it was a good fashion era. Yeah, we're like back. Are we yeah. just back to late 80s, early 90s autumnal? I don't know. I I don't know. I I have seen a lot of corduroy this year, mm. which I like, and some striped sweaters, some sort of like sailor type sweaters. Hmm. Yeah. The lug I don't souls. know. I feel like right now we are like just mashing all the decades together, you know, because mm. I see people be like, the 90s are back. And then I'm like, I wore that in the 80s. And then there's also like early 2000s, early 2000s. the low cut jeans, which thankfully mm. I haven't really seen. Yeah, I feel like that was overblown as a oh, comeback. Oh, the fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were all like, please, God, no, it never happened. 
I did try on flare jeans for the first time last week in like at least 15 years. They actually looked pretty good. (laughs) I I have always said flare jeans are a flattering jean. They are so... They make you look tall. They're so flattering. Mm -hmm. They hug in the right places. Mm -hmm. They're so much more flattering than the baggy wide leg. Yeah, yeah. They're a good jean. I remember when I wore them in the 90s and my mom was like, I remember when I wore those in the 70s. That's exactly (laughs) what my mom said. Oh, those are coming back. I used to have... <laughs> jeans like those and now here we are <laughs> kids it's all years cyclical. later there is nothing new under the sun but when harry met sally is my favorite rom-com of all time i think it's really funny and clever it is it also includes uh, billy crystal is perfect meg yeah. ryan is perfect she's she at is. her height of cuteness it's such a good movie it really is and they've got you know those like interstitial like the couples telling their love stories it does include a very familiar message about men and women that undergirds one of the biggest tropes Mm -hmm. in sexual politics of the last 40 years i'm sure you know what i'm talking about a lot of our listeners know what i'm talking about billy crystal he says it in the car at the beginning you realize of course that we can never be friends men and women can't really be friends because the sex part (laughs) always gets in the way because the sex always gets in the way (laughs) And at some point she says, not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. And he's like, no, you think you have guy friends. but And she's uh-huh. like, you're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. I do too. Yeah. Basically, the sex will always get in the way is his big. Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. Argument. He always wants to have sex with her. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this over the years because I have had a lot of guy friends. In fact, for a long time, I thought I was somebody who really mostly had guy friends. You know, I always thought of myself as like, oh, I'm just better friends with the guys. Which, <laughs> but don't, but isn't that kind of a cool girl thing? It's a cool girl thing. It's 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 also like I've I've realized it's an internalized misogyny where you think that guys are actually cooler to be friends with because you've absorbed all of like the bad stereotypes of what female friendship is. Right. Right. So. In some ways, I believe Billy Crystal Harry more now than I did when I first saw the movie. But I still think it's problematic for a lot of reasons, including the idea that like men just can't get over their sex drive and that it's always the men who are Mm -hmm. like beset by sexual desires and women are just sort of like going through their life with their innocent Meg Ryan (laughs) personality. Yes, this is a generalization, but it seems Mm -hmm. more common among women to say, of course, men and women can be friends, like stop sexualizing everything. Right. It's more, (laughs) it's more stereotypically male to say, like, let's be realistic. We're sexual creatures. If there are two attractive people who get along as friends, they're probably sexually attracted to each other. And therefore we need really strict boundaries. But I, what I also hear you saying is that this kind of dichotomy forgets the fact that it actually women have sex drives too and could be attracted to men who they are friends with. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, I, this didn't really get talked about in the movie that I remember, but I feel like the the stereotype 
is what gets in the way of male-female friendship is the guy wants to have sex and the girl wants a relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. so there's like an inability to be friends because they both actually want something more than friendship. Oh, right. The woman doesn't just want friendship either. She wants a a committed romantic relationship. I see. Yeah. And so there's always like this unspoken desire on both sides, you know? Mm -hmm. I think both of those are unhealthy stereotypes, but I also think like there's truth in them too, because I do think like, at least I do feel like when I talk to a lot of my single female friends, like there's a lot of frustration with it does seem like guys just kind of that we go on dates with, like they just want something really casual in terms of like wanting sex. And then, you know, women are like, we're looking for something more committed. So, and also I feel like I've been hearing that for like as long as I've been (laughs) sexual creature since puberty. I feel like I've been hearing that like, don't give guys sex because that's just all they want. And then they won't commit to you. Right. Right. Of course. But you're saying there's maybe some truth to the stereotypes. There's truth, but they're also like incredibly limiting and they're not universal. Right. I don't think you can draw rules around them, you know? So with When Harry Met Sally, since I brought that up as an example, we're talking about two single people who are straight, who are spending time together, who enjoy each other. And the dynamics we've been talking about would, from a stereotypical standpoint, come up in that story as they did in the movie and as I was they, I'm sure say, they do and they do in the movie <laughs> I mean one of the things that the messaging of Harry uh, this idea that like the sex always gets in the way because the guys always want it like it reminds me a little bit of the kind of thing I heard in youth group or the kind of thing that even like drives the Billy Graham rule um mm-hmm. which is that like men just can't be in a relationship with women or even in the same room as a woman without thinking about sex. I do see the connection. I will say I've never heard the Billy Graham rule applied to two single people. Hmm. Like the Billy Graham rule in my estimation is about protecting a marriage or protecting that relationship. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just that the thing that reminds me of it is that messaging that it's just that men are just so driven by sex that there's not an ability to have a relationship with a woman that doesn't have like an element of sex. Yes, the connecting point between the Billy Graham rule and the Billy Crystal rule, if you will. Well done. Is that they're both operating from an understanding or like an anthropology of men that says men are inherently sexual, men can't relate to women in a non-sexual way. In Billy Crystal's case, it's like, we can't just be friends. In the Billy Graham case, it's, we can't be seen alone or we can't spend time alone because it'll, it'll, I will be attracted to you and something bad will happen. Right. So then the jump is like, if you're a single man, you can't be friends with women because you want to sleep with them. And if you're a (laughs) married man, you can't be friends with women because you'll want to sleep with them. So there's just no male-female friendship allowed. Yeah, I I guess I'm thinking back to like my social group in my mid to late 20s where groups of men and women would hang out. And I'm sure individual men and women who were single would hang out as well. But there was always this little buzz or spark of like, yeah, but is he going to ask her out? Is he going to pursue her? Is this going to turn into a dating relationship? Gosh, we hope it does. And, you know, I'm all for the notion that friendship is actually a good basis for a dating relationship, like getting to know each other. But it didn't seem like 
what if they're just friends? I shouldn't even say just because I think that Mm -hmm. devalues what friendship is. What if they are friends and it doesn't lead to anything else? Is that okay? I think basically what we're coming up against is that the Christian tradition, or at least in its evangelical permutation, doesn't have an imagination for male-female friendship that isn't fraught. Do you think that's just evangelicalism or is that... Because, you know, I mean, Billy Crystal, uh, famously not an evangelical. <laughs> so, I, I mean, is that is that evangelical or is that just like a cultural idea and evangelicalism has put yeah. some rules around it? I mean, traditionally, there would have been very few places where men and women would have interacted where they could have formed friendships. Mm-hmm. Like the the possibility for men and women to interact in such a way as to build a friendship is relatively new. That's true. I just think Christians bring their own (laughs) sexual baggage into the mix. Yeah. And I mean, I think when you're single and Christian, you know, there's like, ooh, spark potential, you know, because there is such a value placed on like, as you said, like matching people up and getting people married. (laughs) Yeah. Pairing up, having babies. Yeah. And so, I mean... I do think it becomes a real question for evangelicals, maybe for culture at large, but we'll stick with the church right now. Once people do get married, like, Mm -hmm. can they have friendships with people of the opposite sex who they're not married to? Mm -hmm. What are the boundaries or rules that should guide that? Yes. This came up recently in a story coming out of the village church when Matt Chandler, the lead pastor, was asked to step away from leadership responsibilities for 12 weeks. And he made an announcement at Sunday morning worship that he had had a real... <laughs> Even to, trying to describe it is hard because it's such a weird story it's and the announcement was story. so vague. Yeah. Essentially, he was messaging with a woman who wasn't his wife, Lauren. According to this announcement, like both spouses knew about this text exchange. He said it wasn't romantic or sexual. Yeah. Nonetheless, it was on Instagram. I believe, yeah, I believe it was Instagram DMs. Church leaders or elders felt that it was unwise and it warranted this disciplinary action. There was some coarse joking, he said. Cor- yes, coarse joking. Yes, which I'm like, just tell us what it was. <laughs> Caitlin wants to know the joke. First of all, it might have been funny. We could all laugh. And second of all, <laughs> well, I, I this is a situation where the vagueness of the announcement actually hurts the church. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, you know, my, my imagination is going. Was it like a lot of eggplant emojis? <laughs> peach emojis even worse (laughs) i don't know it's i mean my response to the story was either this elder board or church leaders are overreacting Mm -hmm. to what to me kind of based just on this description sounds relatively innocuous or there's so much more to the story that they are not letting us in on that in fact maybe this is the tip of the iceberg and this disciplinary action was the right call we have no idea you said tip <laughs> oh my gosh. I said tip of the iceberg, not tip of I know, but not tip of the eggplant. I am just this is what happens. Our minds go to this place where then <clears throat> So this was definitely also my reaction that this is super weird and 
it's either overblown or undertold. And if you were a betting woman, what would you bet on? As a journalist, I would say there's <laughs> more to the story that needs to be uncovered. Yeah. Even if the more to the story is just like, why frame it this way? You know, and why mm. make a super big deal and disciplinary action around it if this really is all that it is? And if this is all that it is, are we making male-female friendships out of bounds? Right. I mean, yes, the fodder following the announcement was precisely those two camps. Like, right. this is kind of a no-lose situation because there's either more to the story that's really concerning... I'm not going to say tip again, but it is, there's much more to uncover. <laughs> oh. Okay, uncover. Come on, are you thinking about sheets? Yes, of course I am. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow, wow. I can't you... say anything without it sounding sexual. That's just my lot in life. <laughs> um, okay, or. Unearth? Yes, either. There's so much more to the story to unearth and dig up. Or these church leaders are communicating that men and women cannot be friends if they are married. It's just out yep. of bounds. You cannot have a rather innocuous text exchange with someone of the opposite sex. That that in itself is a problem or sinful. Like such a big problem that... The pastor has to step down. A really big name pastor. Which is why as a journalist and right. a betting woman, it doesn't make sense. They knew that there would be a media firestorm. Yeah. It doesn't seem the attention and blowback if it is truly an innocuous texting thread that included some coarse joking. So before we um, slip even further into... No. I feel like rank speculation is what we're moving toward and I don't of course, quite want to go there. So before we do... We got to take a break. That's what she said. <laughs> religion News Service is an independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. From witches to white nationalism to digital worship, RNS covers it all. And if you like what we're doing at Saved by the City, do let us know. Give us a rating or a review. It goes a long way to helping get the word out about the show. And since it's back to school season, some homework. Pass along this episode to a friend who you think will like it. You can also email us at sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. We want to hear from you. Okay, as I was saying. Um, yes. Have you ever been friends with a married man? Yeah, I have. And I have too. I would say in most of those situations, I was also friends mm -hmm. with the wife. But yeah. thankfully, in a lot of those situations, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, I'm primarily friends with the wife and the husband is just around as a plus one. But I wouldn't be friends with him if it weren't for the wife. Like I can genuinely say... The husband and I have a friendship. We enjoy each other's company. We've spent time one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. There's trust. I'm also friends with his wife, but it's not like there's concern around my spending time with him one-on-one, -on -one, like going to see a movie together or I'm just thinking about our friend Tom, <laughs> <laughs> which we can be assured he and or Alyssa is listening to this. Hey, Tom and Alyssa. Hey, guys. You know, Tom and I have done lots of stuff, just mm -hmm. the two of us, and it's fun. And he mm -hmm. is someone I cherish as a, I mean, 
you know, I don't mean this to sound overly spiritualized. The the framework I have for it, though, is like a brother. Yeah. Like a brotherly is- affection that is clearly in my mind, platonic affection. Which, side note to come back to later, is actually theologically the way that we're supposed to view one another as Christians. (laughs) So that's a good thing. Yeah. And there have just been a handful of other men in my life like that who are married and Mm -hmm. who I think of as a brother. And there's I think I cherish those relationships because I feel like there is trust extended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in in a cultural or church environment where there is so much over-sexualized, it's really nice to feel like I don't I don't have to worry about that here. It doesn't mean I don't yeah. have boundaries, but I have boundaries with everybody. You know, boundaries right. are good across the board. It just feels safe. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. On this, I have had several experiences and they've been varied. Mm. When I was married, I had quite a few male friends and often people I met at work that then, Mm -hmm. you know, a friendship formed. Um, And that felt different than it feels now to have male friendships as a single woman. Um, So I think obviously that plays a part. And actually one of my really close friends he was single when I was married. And then mm-hmm. when I got divorced, he was engaged. And that mm-hmm. actually did become really difficult. And I think it was hard for his fiance, and she wanted us to put some distance um, between us. Mm-hmm. And I understood that. Um, mm-hmm. It was really hard. And I think once they mm-hmm. were married and they'd been married for a little bit, like we were able to have a little bit more of a friendship again. And I had someone else, a good friend, when he started dating somebody, she asked that we not hang out as much. Did she ask you directly? No. Or did she kind of, she she told told her fiance, I don't. So what you're picking up on is a feeling of being threatening to, you know, a a man's fiance or wife who you knew in a previous time, but now that he's coupled. Yeah. And to be clear, I'm talking about two different people that happened twice. Mm -hmm. Like once, you know, once with a fiance and once with a girlfriend, but yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's just an acknowledgement that, and I've thought about this, not with my married guy friends, but with single guy friends, which is that when one or both of us starts dating, why does it feel like the friendship is different? Yes. And if the friendship feels different, does it mean <laughs> that the entire working theory of this episode is not actually, it's a little more complicated? And that at the very least, that friendship, while it's not sexual, it's not overtly romantic, it is fulfilling an emotional right. need or connection that actually when you're dating or married, that should be the primary emotional connection. Right. Yeah. I think there's, I think that's fair. One of my best friends who continues to be one of my best friends, I knew him before he was married. And then once he got married, our our, our relationship did change some. Like I wasn't as much of like, you know, the go-to person to talk about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I became really good friends with his wife. You know, I I actually would Mm -hmm. like hold that up as a great model of a male female friendship where I was Mm -hmm. friends with him first, but then I became friends with his wife and I'm like Mm -hmm. a godmother to one of their kids. And 
our relationship is not what it was 10 years ago, but it's still a good friendship, you know? Yeah, that is a really good story of how a friendship can change, but still weather those changes. Mm -hmm. It's just, (laughs) it's great to not feel like a guy friend ditches you. Right. Because of pressure from his fiance or wife, because then it does seem to put you into this temptress. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I understand from her perspective. Yeah. Like, I don't love the idea of my husband having really intimate conversations with his friend who's a woman. So emotional intimacy is real, y'all. You know, I especially understood it because those relationships were very new. And so I think... Mm. Mm-hmm. there's in levels of insecurity. They're not insecurity in like the bad way, insecurity in like the real way of like, you just don't know where the relationship is going to go yet. And right, right. So I, I understand it, but it is, it was hard. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, you know, pivoting a little bit from those specific relationships, I've had a few friendships that happened after we had dated. So mm-hmm. we dated for a little bit, didn't work out, decided to be friends and actually stayed friends. Um, wow. Yeah, which I think is hard to do. Did you say just friends? Okay. I don't want to go there. <laughs> it's complicated, right? I mean, I can honestly say I have not been able to remain friends with an ex-boyfriend where romantic dynamics weren't lingering. Here's what I will say. I think that the romantic elements have come and gone mm. throughout a long friendship. And it is very clear to me that, like, those friendships are never going to become, like, a marriage. You know, like, they're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's honest to Mm -hmm. acknowledge that, like, you can still be attracted to someone. And you could even have, like, sexual desires for someone. Mm -hmm. And those can be fleeting. And that doesn't mean that you necessarily want to be in a relationship. And that doesn't mean that you have to act on them or that they're totalizing. And I think that's maybe what I feel like the When Harry Met Sally, the Billy Crystal rule and the Billy Graham rule do is they make sexual desires totalizing. Like, that's it. Oh, oh, no, you had... You were sexually attracted to this person. That's it. Run away. Stay away. There can be no other kind of relationship. Like you can mm-hmm. get over those things. You can feel them <laughs> and then move on. And I well, just think we like it's honest to say that you can feel them, but then that doesn't have to be it. And it doesn't have to mean that there's no possibility for any kind of friendship there. Yes. The sexual desires don't have to be totalizing. Also, when you spend enough time with someone, you realize like they're not always going to be attractive to you and they have some real flaws yeah, and, like, very and they can be annoying. Yeah. yeah. You know, like a friendship. I will say, speaking from experience, I have a guy friend who is single. We had a period of time where romantic possibility was very much on the line. Mm-hmm. Then it went away. I was devastated. Mm. But We stay in touch, you know, not regularly, but we are still friends. I don't like the feeling that every time we see each other or spend time together, that spark or possibility is still on the table, but it's never going to really, I know, or I believe it's not going to really result in anything because Mm. (laughs) this is where the phrase guarding my heart is coming to mind. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not to say... I think guarding your heart just means having good emotional boundaries and not Mm -hmm. putting yourself in situations where you're going to feel like crap after you spend time with somebody. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, here's the thing. All of these scenarios are complicated. Yes. And they're different. I mean, I wouldn't put myself 
in this situation you're describing where you're like, I need to guard my heart. Like I would, that is a different scenario because you might want something, you know, to happen. And so Mm -hmm. you're going to have to approach that differently than like the friendships that I'm thinking of. I really don't want them to go anywhere. Like I really don't. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, you know that clearly in your mind. Right. Like, this I'm not is, just like, oh, but what it, I hope, you know? Yeah. Let me keep hanging on and spending time with him because right. potentially he could start developing feelings for me and then pursue me. Right. And by the way, all of this feels so lacking in agency for women. Almost like we're just hoping that one I day, know. like I'll keep showing up to be his friend, but gosh, I hope one day that he sees that I could be so much more than a friend. And it's like, why are we giving men all this power? Give me a break. So that's what I mean when I say that there's two sides to that message of like the sex <laughs> always gets in the way. It's also like, so for the men, it's the sex and for the women, it's this desire for a romance. And it's like, maybe it's flipped. Could be. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> It could, it could be, you know, and all of this is to say, like, this is straight male friends. Like, wait, you have sexual tension with your gay friends? I don't, and that's what makes that great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so right, we we throw this around a lot. This phrase, like, you're my sister in Christ, you're my brother in mm-hmm. Christ, and a lot of times it get it gets used to like remember in youth group or in college where somebody would be like, I just love you like a sister, you know, or like you're my sister in Christ. It's a distancing. It's like a spiritualized friend zoning. Yes. But if we take it really seriously, I I really believe it offers this kind of profound view of what it could mean to have relationships that are not sexual with people of the opposite sex. And I think it's it's almost like revolutionary in that sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it is saying that men and women can be friends, like because it is offering a non-sexualized relationship mm-hmm. and inviting it because it would be weird if you could not hang out with your brother. Like familial relationships are intimate relationships that are non-sexual that are encouraged to be intimate and i think that's where it becomes right like that's where it's beautiful it's not saying stay away it's actually an invitation to get closer and to have intimacy because that's what you have with a brother with a sibling yeah i think about our time on the this is our city project that you and i were on and we worked Mm -hmm. with several men on that team and traveled together and had lots of meals together. And Nate Clark, our Mm -hmm. filmmaker, and I Mm -hmm. traveled a lot together alone to different locales or would have meetings or lunches and drinks. And like, Mm -hmm. it was so fun to have like a fun brother, (laughs) you know? I mean, it was fun that we got to work together and we we got to work on a creative project together. And I felt like we like got each other in that way. But it it was fun to have a space where there was a kind of intimacy without threat. What That it was like a brother, mm-hmm. you know, and just mm-hmm. how rare that seems. But as you were saying, how revolutionary it could be if we started from that posture. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think about a lot is just that it's not, it's not a distancing. It's actually an invitation to deeper intimacy. I don't I think that gets missed a lot. Yeah, we we spend a lot of time talking about rules and boundaries because of what could happen if men and women 
our friends, Mm -hmm. but we don't spend as much time talking about what we're missing out on if men and women aren't allowed to be friends. Mm-hmm. Like what is actually at stake mm-hmm. in our lives and in, in the church in relationships if we approach those friendships from a posture of fear and distancing? The older I've gotten, the less black and white this feels to me. I mean, yeah, me too. I think I swung from like, yeah, you definitely can't be friends to like, absolutely, I have tons of guy friends to a place now where I'm like, it's complicated and it doesn't mm-hmm. always work. And sometimes the sex does get in the way. Like, do you want to say that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sometimes the sexual attraction is at play and complicates things to an unhealthy degree. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I was just using the words of Billy Crystal, but thank you for nuancing it for me. Which is why we, yes, I totally resonate with a sense of, no, it can't happen. Yes, it absolutely can happen. Don't be legalistic to actually, a lot of this is based on context. It's based on trust. It's based on story, how Mm -hmm. long you've known each other. It's based on the fact that there are men that I am absolutely not attracted to. And I don't think that they are attracted to me either. Mm -hmm. And there are men I don't feel safe with. Like I would not want to be friends with them. Right. If you've had men, you know, like harass or assault you or cross boundaries that you established or, or be, or be misogynistic all the time. I mean, there's like right, even extremes right. of abuse. Yeah. Don't you know? be friends with those guys. Yeah. about the fact that there probably are men who really are have significant issues to work through with women to say that men and women can be friends does not mean that you have to be friends with every single man (laughs) it just means that using wisdom in particular context this is a possibility and it can be very Mm life-giving Let's bring this home. Let's bring this to completion. I feel like we're rounding third base. Let's get to home base. (laughs) This is why female friends, female straight (laughs) friends are not possible because they too sexualize everything. How do we bring this to fulfillment? I just want to make sure that we're both satisfied. Saved by the City is a religion news service production. The producer is Jay Woodward and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. We get production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Wyndham. Chaz Rousseau put together our look and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. We are Roxy Stone and Caitlin Beatty. Thanks Thanks for for listening. You think we should end with a sex joke? It's funny. Huh.